Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. Honestly, you don't want to be taking generic legal advice from a YouTube channel or podcast in any event. On with the show. Good morning and welcome to another Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing partner of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And today we're doing a special story time episode of Virtual Legality to celebrate Valentine's Day. Uh, I was sitting on the couch with my wife uh, earlier this month talking about a story that I had seen in some papers uh, and that I recently saw and heard again uh, on NPR uh, about the Sweetheart's Candies, uh, and in particular the, the Neko Candy Company, who, uh, if you're not familiar with, has made a, a number of different types of candies throughout the years. Uh, most predominantly, you might recognize the Neko name from the Neko Wafer, which are these kind of uh, chalky candy wafers that came in a roll and that I used to enjoy uh, when I was a child, uh, even though they aren't necessarily uh, the most flavorful of candies, which you'll see in some of the things that uh, we're about to look at in terms of quotes. Uh, but what Neko had made a lot of their money on, a lot of their popularity on, uh, were these candies called Sweethearts. Uh, and these are the candies that you're probably familiar with around Valentine's Day, especially if you live in the United States. And they're these little candies that say things like, be mine on them, and have printed sayings that are romantic, and you put in a candy dish and celebrate Valentine's Day. And I really didn't realize how popular these things were, but as it turns out, they are one of the most popular candies, and certainly on Valentine's Day, the most popular candy uh, sold in the United States. And here in 2019, uh, a certain uh, business situation has developed uh, that will result in much fewer Sweetheart candies being available for sale. So without further ado, let's take a look at that story because I find it fascinating and I find it to be another example of the ways that kind of legality uh, and business formation and business organization and bankruptcies and transactions and the like uh, influence all of us in our day-to-day -day lives, even when we're not really thinking about it. So if you go out to the store to, to buy sweethearts for Valentine's Day, uh, you're not going to find them this year. And here's the reason why. Be mine? Nope. Sweetheart candy's hard to find this Valentine's Day. And again, this is an article from NPR uh, late in January that goes over a few of the things and a few of the reasons why the sweetheart candies aren't going to be available this Valentine's Day. But as I dove into this story, because it's the kind of guy I am and I like to find out more about the background details of a story, especially when it relates to business organization and the law. As we dive into those things, we'll find that one of the main reasons that we're not going to have sweetheart candies is not because of all the things that befell the Neko company, but just the way that the Neko company was ultimately liquidated and dissolved was so kind of Byzantine and confused uh, that it resulted in the folks that ultimately wound up with the sweetheart's property not being able to essentially roll up the factories in time. Uh, and as it also turns out, it takes a long time to make all of the sweetheart candies that the United States in particular uh, was consuming for Valentine's Day. So let's take a look at this article again in NPR. This Valentine's Day is going to be a little less sweet. Sweethearts, the colorful heart-shaped candies with sugary messages like kiss me and my love, will be scarce this year. If you're lucky enough to find them, they'll be from last year's batch. It's kind of a historic moment. 
These candies have been a mainstay of Valentine's Day since 1866, which was quite surprising to me. I didn't really realize that the Neko Company had been along that long. Uh, but it's apparently one of the oldest candy companies in America, or was, uh, before it was liquidated. The candies are so entwined with this special day that they ranked as the number one candy for Valentine's Day in 2017 and 2018, according to data from CandyStore.com, an online bulk candy store. The candies may not be going away forever, and as a corporate lawyer, I will tell you they definitely won't be, uh, because if there's any value in what Neko had before they liquidated, it is in the name and the recipe and being able to sell them under the brand. If they were selling this many, there is value there. It's the same reason why when we talk about other liquidations and other business organizations like Toys R Us, Toys R Us as a company liquidated went bankrupt won't be in the same organization whenever it reappears. But as long as people remember the brand name, as long as there is goodwill there, as long as they remember Jeffrey and the, the memories they had at Toys R Us, there is value in that intellectual property. And so it is very likely that someone will be a successor. Someone will buy the rights to that intellectual property and revive the Toys R Us brand. And we're seeing that already. Just like we will see Sweethearts, we will see Necco Wafers, maybe not as many as Sweethearts, uh, in the future. And we're going to talk about that as we go forward in this story. The candies may not be going away forever. But the reason they're not around this year has to do with the demise of America's beloved New England Confectionery Co., which is the full name of Necco. In addition to Sweethearts, Necco also made many other candies, such as Mary Jane's, Mint Julep Chews, and Sky Bars. Unfortunately for fans, the company went out of business last May following several warnings from the Food and Drug Administration citing food safety violations, including significant evidence of rodent activity and unsanitary conditions. Yes, we're talking about rat poop in candy-making equipment. As you might imagine, when that happens, when the FDA sends a letter like this, and we're going to pull that up right here because it is interesting to take a look at uh, briefly. We're not going to go over the, the full legalities here. But when the FDA does an inspection of a site, uh, they send a letter citing uh, a confectionery, uh, an industrial food producer here, uh, for violations of the S FDA rules. You get one of these kinds of letters, and this is labeled as a warning letter. It has a number. It comes from the FDA directly, and it cites what they were doing, what kind of violations you made. They, they cite here Section 418 of the Act, uh, and they talk about, as the NPR article so succinctly put it, rat poop, uh, issues with rodents uh, in their machinery, issues with those kinds of problems. And it was this uh, letter from the FDA and the things that they had to do to correct and the potential shutdown times and the difficulties that they were having meeting their profitability margins uh, that ultimately wound up putting this company uh, in bankruptcy. Uh, and the NPR article goes on to talk about that just a little bit. It says, uh, during the bankruptcy, NECA was initially purchased by Roundhill Investments, the company known for reviving Hostess. Uh, and uh, the, the paragraph goes on here a little bit. In July, that company abruptly closed the NECA candy factory and resold NECA to an unnamed buyer. And then that buyer sold off many of the less popular candies, such as Mighty Malt Milk Balls and Havilland Thin Mints. Now, that paragraph was fascinating to me. I was trying to pluck it apart and figure out what it was even saying. Uh, but as it turns out, it's quite the uh, Byzantine uh, set of events that wound up happening with the Neko company and its bankruptcy. So first I found this article in the Boston Globe, and this is from uh, May of 2018. And this talks about Neko being sold for $18.8 .8 at a bankruptcy auction. 
And we've talked a little bit about bankruptcy auctions and what they mean uh, in uh, the Help Us Out Hogue segments on Easy Allies and in some of our previous videos on virtual legality. But in essence, what it meant is this company couldn't meet its liabilities. It couldn't pay its debts. It couldn't continue operating in the way that it was operating. And so uh, a bankruptcy estate under the federal bankruptcy law takes over the assets and essentially sells it to the highest bidder, uh, who in this case... You might have heard the name Roundhill and think that that would be who had bought it here. Uh, that would be a mistake. Uh, in this case, it was the Spangler Candy Company of Ohio. It says, it looks like Necco Wafers will continue to roll off the assembly line, at least for now. Family owns Spangler Candy Company of Ohio. And remember that name, which makes Dum Dum Lollipops and the Orange Marshmallow Circus Peanuts. So the Dum Dum and Circus Peanuts people. Added Neko to its portfolio Wednesday with a winning bid of $18.83 million during an auction for the Revere-based candy maker in U.S. Bankruptcy Court in Boston. With a, packaged with a packed gallery looking on during the nearly four-hour-long court session, Spangler beat out offers from Roundhill Investments and Boston-based liquidator Gordon Brothers to become the new owner of the New England Confectionery Co., which traces its roots to 1847. The result means a reprieve for the country's oldest continuously operating candy company, best known for its chalky Necco wafer sweets, at least through the fall. Operations will continue in its Revere headquarters, where Necco's lease has been extended through November. Most of the company's 232 full-time employees work out of the headquarters on American Legion Highway, and the sale is expected to close Friday. But, and now we're going off the article, this sale wound up never happening. And the reasons for that were a little difficult to trace, uh, but I found another article in The Blade, uh, which came out in June of 2018, and it said the following. Spangler Candy backs out of deal to buy Necco wafers. Now, when we talk about a deal, and we've talked about deals at length, both in Help Us Out Hogue and Virtual Legality, we're often talking about uh, essentially a term sheet or an agreed-upon economic and uh, governance terms that relate to how the deal is ultimately going to be consummated. So we're talking about everybody agreeing on the basics for what this looks like, the price being the most important in a bankruptcy auction. We're going to pay you this much money, and you're going to deliver these assets. Uh, but those assets, like any kind of contract, have certain conditions that are uh, applied to them. So when we're talking about a non-bankruptcy transaction, we're talking about just a normal merger, a normal acquisition, you'd have a list of things that say, hey, uh, we're, we're willing to pay you $18 million, uh, but we're going to do our due diligence. We're going to review your assets. We're going to review your financial statements. We're going to review the way your company is operated right now. Uh, and if we find anything there, we're going to have to negotiate some additional representations and warranties, which are the promises that the seller is making about the company. Or we're going to have to negotiate some additional indemnification or escrow provisions. Uh, and those are essentially dealing with the liabilities that the seller would have if something were to go wrong. So in this case, we talked about the FDA letter. We talked about the situations that gave the Neco company its problems uh, that led to this bankruptcy auction. One would imagine that uh, representations or promises or indemnification or things of that nature related to those uh, those concepts, uh, whether or not the factory had been cleaned up, whether it had met with FDA approval uh, since that point in time would be a part of those negotiations. Now, bankruptcy transaction is a little bit different than a non-bankruptcy transaction because you don't necessarily have the same kind of flexibility to negotiate terms because the bankruptcy estate is kind of governing the entire transaction process. Uh, but here we see this deal fell through and you don't always get a lot of specificity in the, the public eye for these kinds of things. But here's what the article says. 
In a statement Friday, Spengler said Boston-based New England Confectionery Co. couldn't meet conditions the Ohio candy maker sought, so the deal fell through. Spengler was the winning bidder for Necco's assets through a bankruptcy auction held May 23rd in Boston. Because Spengler failed to close the deal, the only other bidder, Round Hill Investments of Greenwich, Connecticut, will buy Necco for $17.3 million, obviously about a million dollars less, or a million and a half dollars less, than what Spengler had been said to be willing to buy it for. Round Hill, which is buying Necco under the name Sweetheart Candy Co. LLC, so that's an either an entity that they formed to buy the Necco assets or they changed their entire name of their investment group to that name, uh, is a family-owned firm owned by Dean Evan and Darren uh, Metropolis. It has rescued several failing well-known brands, including Hostess, Pabst Blue Ribbon, and Chef Boyardee. Uh, Necco candy products have been around for more than 150 years and share important historical significance with Dum Dums, Candy Canes, and other Spengler candy products. Spengler CEO Kirk Vishaw had said after his company was named the winning bidder, uh, going on, he said, unfortunately, Necco could not meet multiple conditions to closing set forth under Spengler's purchase agreement. As a result, Necco decided to sell its assets to the next highest bidder. We wish Necco's new owner well with the Necco brands. Uh, however, U.S. bankruptcy court documents suggest Spengler may have felt it overpaid for Necco, which also makes Sky Bars, Clark Bar, and Mary Jane Chews. In a document filed by Harold Murphy, a court-appointed trustee for Necco's bankruptcy, Spengler was close to its sale on May 24th. However, Spengler advised that it was unwilling to close without a substantial price reduction and a modified asset purchase agreement that the trustee found unacceptable. So again, we talked about the process of selling a company, and one of the things that happens is you get a better look at how the company is operating when you're the buyer. And you can take a look at those operations, you can take a look at the assets, and you can say, okay, this isn't exactly what I thought it would be when we essentially handshake agreed on a purchase price, for instance. And so I want a price reduction, or I want a certain amount of that money put in escrow, uh, or I want additional representations and warranties, or I want additional indemnification provision. There's any number of things that happen in a negotiation when due diligence identifies a problem with the assets of the seller. And really, in any given transaction, there's going to be certain problems with the seller. Not not any company that I have ever worked with uh, in my almost 15 years now of doing these kinds of things has been completely and utterly clean and has no problems. And we just go and we sign the document and everybody goes about their merry way. Every company has problems. Most uh, or a lot of them are, are generally pretty minor. And you can, what we say, close over those types of problems. Uh, but if they are significant, and if you are thinking that you're going to lose money in your deal and you're not happy with the way that the math works anymore, you can ask for these kinds of things. And in this case, the trustee, the bankruptcy trustee, who's in charge of making sure they get maximum value uh, for the assets that are being sold out of the, uh, out of the bankruptcy estate, said, hey, you're asking for too much. This is ridiculous. Uh, and presumably they were asking to have their price lowered below what was going to be the Roundhill price. And so Roundhill ultimately wound up buying it at the price that they had bid. Uh, and uh, Spangler wasn't involved, except they will be, as we will see, as we continue this very interesting story about the Neco company assets that, have result that has resulted in all of us not having any Sweethearts candy this Valentine's Day. So the story continues. Roundhill has purchased the company, uh, and the, they did it for the $17 million and change that we talked about, uh, and they were expected to just continue operations of the company, except here is an article from the Washington Post in July of 2018, so just a little bit after the stories that we had just read, saying the NECA wafer factory abruptly shuts down after company is sold to unknown buyer. Now, this is Roundhill selling the company to an unknown buyer. So if you're keeping track at home, 
Neko exists, gets, gets an FDA letter saying they've got rat problems in their factory and they need to take care of them, decides they can't take care of them without bankrupting the company, declares for bankruptcy. The assets of the Neko company are sold in auction to Spangler. Spangler backs out or at least asks for a reduction that forces the trustee to have them back out at the last minute. Roundhill ultimately buys it. And then not more than uh, a month, a month and a half later, Roundhill decides that they're unhappy with the way the Neko factory is operating and they shut it down completely and sell it to a mystery buyer. Uh, because they're outside of bankruptcy, they don't have to say how this went down or who the mystery buyer is, but we're going to talk about that a little bit because this is July of last year and we have more information now. But it's quite the chain of events that have led us to this point of not having the most popular candy at Valentine's Day. And I think it's important to talk about how these kinds of things happen because in a normal kind of properly operating transaction set, nobody is incentivized to not sell these candies at Valentine's Day. There seems to be money there. There seems to be profitability there. And certainly the people that were buying these assets didn't want to skip 2019. But what wound up happening, because it was such an elongated process, uh, the, the company that ultimately winds up with the assets, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, can't ramp up their new factory to make sweethearts in time for 2019 and has to skip and will bring them back, presumably, in 2020. Uh, but here's the story about the factory. Neko, the country's oldest continuously operating candy company, shut down operations at its Massachusetts plant Tuesday after being sold to a new company just months after it was purchased at a bankruptcy auction, according to a report. Roundhill Investments, the company that sold Neko, which operated under the name Sweetheart Candy Co. LLC, did not identify the company's new owner, the Boston Globe reported. It did not say whether the factory in Revere, Massachusetts would resume producing candy. The company has about 230 workers at the building, the Globe reported. Roundhill Investments was very excited to acquire Neko's historic brands and to be part of their national resurgence, the company said in a statement published by the Globe. After careful engagement and consideration, however, the firm decided to sell the brands to another national confection manufacturer and today announced the closure of the operations in Revere, Massachusetts. So they were so unhappy with their transaction, again, for $17 million, that they decided to completely sell out and to close the factory and to just get out of this thing completely. This is the kind of t transaction, this is the kind of situation that results in lawsuits uh, because Roundhill Investments is clearly an investment fund of some kind. There are people putting money in here, and this is very clearly a deal gone bad. But unfortunately for Roundhill, not a deal gone bad before the purchase agreement was actually signed or, or consummated, like was the case with the original Spangler bid, but actually the money changed hands and then they decided it was a bad deal, which is never a good look. And it does wind up getting investment folks. It does wind up getting investment bankers. It does wind up getting lawyers in trouble when this kind of thing happens. Continuing on with the article, the candies company's closure had been rumored for months, despite the less than stellar reputation of the candy. Necco wafers have been around since before the Civil War, and plenty of detractors would argue they taste like it too, the Wall Street Journal wrote in April. Now that's just mean. They're, they're a fine candy. Revelations around that time that the factory could be shut down touched off a surge in wafer sales. The company also makes Sweethearts, the heart-shaped Valentine's Day candy, as well as other less well-known lines such as Mary Jane's Squirrel Nut, Zippers, and Clark Bars. I do like how every different publication lists a different random assortment of kind of lesser-known candies in respect to the Neko company. The recipe for the company's wafers has reportedly not been changed since the Civil War. Uh, according to the Boston Globe, the announcement was a shock to hundreds of the company's workers who, is, who expected the New England Confectionery Co. to remain open through at least November uh, and that's the end of this article. So we have Roundhill closing down the factory 
in July of 2018 uh, and selling to some mystery bidder that would then go on to separate out the assets of Neko. So rather than keep them all under the same umbrella, the same roof, so that the one company was making all of the Neko candies, they wound up uh, bifurcated. They wound up separating out the assets and selling them to different folks, which is something that happens a lot in bankruptcy auctions. Uh, if you recall, if you've been following virtual legality for a while, you know that we've covered uh, to some significant extent the continuing fight between the original uh, creators of Star Control and Star Control 2 and Stardock, who bought the rights to the trademark Star Control in an auction that uh, Atari went through during its own bankruptcy. And in that auction, Atari wound up splitting up all of its assets and selling them to different bidders. And, and so that's kind of a normal thing to do. In this case, they had tried to sell the entire company as a continuing operating concern, uh, presumably because they had all these employees, they had these continuing liabilities and contractual obligations, and so they wanted to keep it all in-house if they could, uh, but ultimately they couldn't. Uh, and so we see in September of 2018, in another article by The Blade, Spangler Candy buys Necco Wafers and Sweethearts brands. So Spangler's back in the picture. If you recall, they were the original buyers of the entire Necco company. Uh, and they went away when they decided that the purchase agreement wasn't going to be what they wanted it to be. Roundhill comes in, buys it for $17 million, essentially decides that they don't like running Necco either, and sells it off to a mystery buyer who immediately starts to separate out all of the assets. And Spangler comes back in and says, hey, we weren't happy with the entirety of Necco. We weren't happy with that price, but we are happy buying Necco wafers and Sweethearts brands, which is the only two candies that anybody's actually always naming in the publications and seem to be most associated with the company. So this article says, in a reversal, Spangler Candy Company said Monday that it has acquired the Necco wafers and Sweethearts candy lines following a well-publicized bankruptcy by the original maker, the New England Confectionery Company. Spangler, located in Bryan, announced in June that it had acquired the two candy products but failed to complete its purchase. The properties later were sold to Roundhill Investments, LLC, a Greenwich, Connecticut investment firm owned by the family of billionaire Dean Metropolis. Roundhill renamed its acquisition Sweetheart Candy Co. LLC, so all stuff we already know. In announcing its acquisition, Spangler, the makers of the classic Dum Dum Lollipop, Circus Peanuts, and Seasonal Candy Canes, did not disclose from whom it had purchased the candy lines or the purchase price, which they don't have to anymore because it's not part of the bankruptcy estate. It's not part of that kind of public record. But the Boston Globe reported that Roundhill announced on July 24th that it had sold the New England Confectionery Co. to an unnamed confectionery manufacturer. It also said it had ceased operations at the Necco factory. Spengler said the Necco Wafer Sweethearts and Canada Mints brands plus manufacturing equipment were obtained following a series of transactions precipitated by the New England Confectionery Company bankruptcy. Because production of both candies has ceased, Spengler said... It will take time to restart operations. And here's the money quote. There are a lot of manufacturing challenges and unanswered questions at this point, and we want to make sure these brands meet consumer expectations when they re-enter the market. We look forward to announcing the Sweethearts relaunch for the 2020 Valentine season and hope to reintroduce NECA wafers to the marketplace in 2019. And so after all of these things, the original bidder that was the winner in the bankruptcy auction winds up with the properties that everybody seems to be most concerned about with respect to the Neko bankruptcy, but they don't have enough time to make sweetheart candies for 2019. And why is that? We go back to the bottom of the NPR article. And the amount of sweethearts consumed each year is so eye-popping that Neko used to make about 100,000 pounds of sweethearts each day 
It's 100,000 pounds every day for 11 months, according to CandyStore.com's data. That's about 8 billion sweethearts per year. Spangler CEO Vashaw states that it's just not possible to have that quantity of candy ready for the 2019 Valentine season, adding that doing it right takes time. And then the NPR article goes on to have people complain about the lack of sweethearts. I do recommend clicking on it. I recommend clicking on all of these because it's a fascinating and, for my money, eye-opening experience to kind of track what happened with these particular assets. And this is not kind of the usual thing that you see in a bankruptcy, at least not in this kind of rapid succession. Usually it takes a little while for the original buyer to become uh, enchanted with their purchase at a bankruptcy auction. Uh, But in this case, Roundhill bought it, immediately regretted it, and sold it within a month and a half, which is just very, very unusual. Uh, But the end result is that they haven't been able to ramp up a new factory. Uh, Roundhill had closed the original factory, had sold off the assets, uh, and those machines are gone. Uh, That factory is empty. Those employees are, are elsewhere doing other things. And so Spangler who bought these interests and and may have operated the factory uh, as it had been, hopefully without the rat problem, uh, if they had been the winners in the bankruptcy auction or if the purchase agreement had been changed to allow them to be winners, are left building a new factory infrastructure to make these sweethearts. And certainly at the numbers they're talking about, that's a not insignificant investment and that's not an insignificant logistical burden to bear. Um, So they obviously want to get sweethearts out into the marketplace. I think you can be uh, pretty optimistic that you will have sweethearts back in the marketplace if they are uh, important to you in in 2020. Uh, But for now, uh, we're left in a sweetheartless world this Valentine's Day 2019 Uh, And those are the kinds of stories that I pick up on when I start going through uh, articles of the day when I sit down before work and I look at the the various things that are of interest to to people. Uh, And so I hope you don't mind uh, taking a little story time journey through virtual legality with me. I find this stuff uh, incredibly fascinating. Uh, And I hope you do too. Uh, So if you like this video, please do like. Please subscribe to my channel. I talk a lot about a lot of things, not always stories about candy companies. Uh, But I do talk a lot about uh, various legal and business issues surrounding information technology, software, uh, digital, video games, things of that nature, uh, as well as other things within the legal space that catch my eye and that I feel I could present some form of illumination on in this video series or in podcast form. And again, uh, we are available on, I think, most major podcast channels under virtual legality, under Hogue Law. So please do search for those terms and check them out. I'll also put uh, the links or the descriptions to those things in the description of this video if you prefer to check those out in podcast format uh, on the commute to work or otherwise. Uh, I'd be more than happy to, uh, to have you over there as well. Uh, so again, have a very happy Valentine's Day and uh, hopefully a, a warm or at least comfortable middle of February for those of you uh, in, in the north or, or otherwise uh, as cold as Michigan is. Uh, I very much appreciate you watching this video or listening to this podcast. Uh, thank you so much and I will see you next time. <laughs>